Welcome to my podcast. Here you can listen to six episodes of Snowware, the action-adventure novel set in the snowy Alps. The target readership is approximately 10 to 13 years of age. After you have listened to the podcast, you may wish to purchase the book. There are three methods. You can download the ebook directly from me by emailing heatherflood at hotmail.com. The cost is $5 or £3. Alternatively, visit the publisher lulu.com. The novel's length is 266 pages. You can order direct from me a signed copy of the paperback. I hope you'll enjoy listening to Snowware. Hello and welcome to the podcast of Snowware the Book by Heather Flood. You will have already heard Chapter 1, read in three episodes, by myself, Heather, the author. Today we have a guest reader, Vary, and she is going to read Chapter 2. Snowware, Chapter 2. Salopet appeared in the chalet some hours later. Vinnie had managed Pitbull's sleep, but was unable to get comfortable as he had no way of knowing when was night and when was day. Oh, that's easy enough, Sal replied smoothly, when Vinnie told him that he wasn't used to hibernating and would like to know when to sleep. It isn't quite dawn. Sal opened the living room curtains and there was the same scene as before, but this time in darkness. A sprinkling of light picking out the runs and a big moon colouring everything a ghostly blue. Skiers with reflective gloves and boots flashed past, bright as fireflies. Vinnie didn't trust himself to speak until he had his skis on and was out in the corridor with Sal. He had worked out that this less polite Vinnie was the one who appeared when he was inside the chalet. Now he was also relieved to notice that the door's outline was visible this morning and he made a mental note that he must put two markers, a potted plant and an umbrella stand, or something of the sort, on either side of the opening. He was pretty sure that once outside the chalet, his jolly hockey stick's voice would instantly return, and he was right. When asked whether Southie was looking after him all right, Vinnie replied, Yes, splendidly. The truth was that he was gorged so heavily on sweets, not least those tasty jelly bambies, he had been unable to eat the elk steak carefully prepared by the yeti, served with a snowy heap of mashed potato. Southie had been too upset, and was later spotted emerging from the kitchen area, licking his lips. Sal and Vinnie were skeetoed for a mile or so down another anonymous corridor, passing closed doors. They were going too fast for Vinnie to read the plaques on the doors, and this irritated him. He made up his mind to try to sneak back later and investigate. Vinnie was alarmed to see the huge key made of ice which Sal produced when they finally snowplowed to a halt. Sal opened the door that stood before them. It bore no plaque. Vinnie's concerns were twofold. He was certain that Sal intended to lock him inside, and he feared that no key made of ice could ever fit a second time. It was bound to melt. Welcome to your own personal studio. Sal's smile seemed so genuine that Vinnie caught his breath for a second. Was he wrong to have been mistrustful? At least inside this space the walls were made of blocks of ice. Although transparent, they were deeply veined and contained white blotches. Beyond the ice wall, he could just make out a second similar wall, and beyond that, very dimly, he spotted moving shapes. They were vaguely human, but looked more like bright blobs than anything else. It was clearly their colourful ski wear that created this effect. The blobs scurried around as though busy working. Vinnie couldn't take his eyes from this sight. He could see that being in the studio was bound to be frustrating. He would be confined, but at the same time could see other life going on, then he noticed Sal's barely concealed impatience. The man, normally so serene, was actually fidgeting, waiting to get Vinnie's attention. Look at the equipment you have here. 
There were three separate computers, each a different gaudy colour. CDs filled a long shelf above the workbench, which extended all the way along one wall. A draftsman's board with a tool stool took up a corner. There was a big projection screen, a scanner, and a multitude of cables, mostly leading to gadgets Minnie didn't recognise. Reference books filled a ceiling-high bookcase. There were several telephones and a fax machine. Vinnie, who had been taking these in in a distracted way, still more interested in the distant human activity, suddenly pinned his gaze on those phones. His family! He could put them out of their misery. They must by now have heard he was missing. Better still, he could enlist their help to get him out of here. All he now had to do was get rid of Sal. That's fine, Sal. I can take it from here, Vinnie declared loudly, seating himself in the big swivel chair and wheeling himself towards a computer screen and away from the telephones. He hadn't the nerve to wave Sal away with a dismissive hand, but it was all he could do to keep a patient smile on his face. One moment, Vinnie, Sal said. Was he about to unload the telephones and tuck them under a long skinny arm? Vinnie held his breath. Sal unrolled an ornate scroll, its parchment discoloured, adorned with a purple crest featuring two fighting polar bears above two crossed ski poles. What's this? Vinnie frowned with pretend interest. He longed to send himself and his chair on its casters across the room and bowl Sal off his feet, so that he could eject him from the room. It was a mad thought, and Vinnie forced himself to gaze very earnestly at the mysterious scroll in order to control himself. The handwriting was ornate, and yet somehow childlike too. Its language wasn't English. This was penned by Her, Prince, Her Highness Princess Bella Clara, she who rules Snowware. Vinnie now noticed that under each of the foreign lines a more recent hand had written out an English translation. Oh, drat, thought Vinnie. Sal's launching into some endless droning speech here. What can it have to do with me? With her superior wisdom, she was able to write down this riddle, and although she cannot solve it, for that we need the skill of a young mortal such as yourself. Steady, the buffs! Whoa! Vinnie listened, astonished, to his own ridiculous outburst, but was, it, was at least glad to see it having the desired effect of stopping Sal in mid-sentence. Yes, Vinnie? Sal was using that voice of his, the one which suggested saintly patience in the face of intensely annoying a nuisance. Mortal? I've been called a few choice things in my time, often preceded by the words young, but mortal? What in the name of my sainted aunt does that make you? The existence of a sainted aunt was news to Vinny, but the words were out before he could think about what they might mean. Ah, oh, well, my dear boy, we, the inhabitants of Snowware, are otherworldly. Sal's face took on a vague, dreamy quality. We were created to protect and preserve the beauteous art of skiing. Our founders, a young couple who worked at the resort below, were stranded on the mountains when an avalanche occurred. They took shelter in a cave. They foraged for berries, and in no time they found they had adapted to the cold. Rescue began to seem out of the question. This was in the days before helicopters. Beneath them was a sheer drop caused by the earthquake. Above them were broken outcrops of rock, all very dangerous, and the young lady was going to have a baby. That baby was to become our present ruler, Princess Bella Clara. Great, Vinnie muttered unheard. I shouldn't have asked about mortals. Why would I want to know all about these people when I hoped to be here for no more than a nanosecond? Sal was still speaking. From their vantage point, the royal couple Queen Stella, Miss Stella Knight was her name before she came here, and King Toby, formerly Toby O'Gan, the handsomest ski hire assistant at the most popular alpine resort, could see every single day how little it took for the snow to shift and for avalanches to start. It became their avowed mission to prevent avalanches. In those days, the worst culprits were cross-country skiers. There were few enough of them, and the couple found that just by calling out in eerie voices, they could scare them all clean away.
the area soon got a reputation for being haunted, and peace reigned. I thought Toby and Stella reigned, Minnie retorted. His attempt at a joke was treated with the disdain it deserved. Sal continued. Seeking warmth now was now that the baby was soon to be born, the royal couple ventured further into their cave. To their amazement, it carried on for miles into the mountain, a labyrinth of corridors and caverns. But, and this took some fathoming, not made of rock. Snow, right? As you see. The rest of you? Ah, we were all addicted skiers, mortals until we arrived. Homeless for the most part, because when the skiing season is over, or the money runs out, enthusiasts like ourselves just don't want to go home. Well, that's where you and me differ. Vinnie chipped in feelingly, and we had had enough of avalanches. So hey presto, everyone's happy. We were, idyllically so, until snowboarding was invented. That was episode 4 with guest reader Vari. In episode 5, hear how Vinnie becomes more embroiled against his will in the world of snowware.